too much to read, there is too much to do. My productivity is at war with my Netflix queue. Read all that I could read, saw that I could see. Finish the internet. Wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, that thing. The next time we hang out, I'll unburden myself. My mind and can't rest till then. Oh, it's time. It's time for, oh, yeah, that thing again. Hello, this is Oh Yeah, That Thing, the podcast where we finally get around to that thing you heard about a while ago. I'm Audrey. And I'm Pei. Welcome. Hey, hey. <laughs> Hi, Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Pretty good. Um, uh, it's been raining a lot in LA, and the sun came out the last couple days, so that's really nice. Um, and that's it. I mean, when you live here, all you talk about is whether or not it's raining or not raining. I already said that, whether or not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whether it or was not raining implied. here, uh-huh. but it was previously snowing. Rain was better, but everyone still drives like garbage in the rain. So Yeah, it's funny because um, I guess since uh, everyone in Southern California is not from Southern California, they like to talk about how everyone here sucks at driving in the rain. As if everyone else in the country is like experts at driving in the rain, but I don't think oh. that's true. <laughs> no, yeah, everyone is terrible at it. Like either they're going too fast mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, "I'm a great driver." It doesn't matter that the roads are slick, and I have this like, big old truck that exactly. I don't use for anything that trucks are needed for. Mm-mm. Or they're going thirty miles below the limit and just yep. a danger to everyone. There's no uh-huh. good in between. No, I don't think there's a such thing as a good rain driver. No. I yeah. think that everyone should just stay home when it rains. I think so, too. That's what I feel like doing when it's raining. That's a better option. <laughs> that being said, we did not stay home yesterday, and it was raining a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually pretty bad. I did not like it at all, but I was Mm-mm. not the one driving, so it was fine. <laughs> yeah, so you just get to sit there. That's the best part. Yes. And just point out all the cars. We're like, well, he's he's very much on that person's ass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. fun but there's more fun things besides rain that we've been doing like watching movies yay yeah it's almost like that's the point of this podcast almost like it is yeah um so this week we um we each gave each other a movie to watch that we're surprised that we haven't made the other watch does that make sense Yes. Yes. Um, A movie we liked that we somehow did not mm. either recommend or force to the other person? Yeah. Uh, liked might be <laughs> the wrong word for at least one of them. <laughs> but we can talk about it when we get to it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so the movie that you gave me to watch uh, was Phantom of the Paradise, which is a movie that you really like, and I'm... Very surprised that we have not watched it together at some point. Yeah, I realized that I have liked this movie almost as long as I have known you. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know why we never watched it together. I don't know either. I, I think I've been trying to figure it out and a little bit was... I think for a long time I was a little embarrassed that this was my favorite movie. Okay. Because I could recognize its flaws, and I was like, I don't want anyone to judge me for liking this movie. <laughs> and now I'm like, this movie's fantastic. Everyone needs to watch it. 
So, uh, well, it happens yeah. that I agree. I really enjoyed it. Um, Yay! So, for those of you who have never seen or heard of it, it's a movie from 1974, and it's kind of based on or like a send up of uh, the Phantom of the Opera a little bit, and like a couple other elements from other uh, older stories. Um, so. Basically, it's about this uh, this legendary producer named Swan who um, who steals music from this guy named Winslow, and he kind of um, so when Winslow figures out that his music's been stolen, he like tries to figure out what's going on, and kind of sees Swan's whole operation where he just like uh, takes music and then like finds a face for that music, then he kind of like crafts them into these artists. So when he like discovers this, he meets this girl named Phoenix. And they're like, we're going to help each other out. That doesn't quite happen because Swan kind of arranges for Winslow to go to jail. And uh, so Winslow escapes and he uh, tries to get revenge on Swan, but that doesn't quite work because he ends up getting disfigured and then everyone thinks that he died, but he did not. Um, so uh, I did forget to say that like one of Swan's big goals is that he's opening like this club, I guess, uh, like a, a music venue. theater kind of thing. It's like a what? More, more like a theater, I guess. Oh, okay, right. So um, he, so it's called the Paradise, and that's what he was planning to use Winslow's music to like be the opening event for uh, the Paradise. And so he, so Winslow tries to sabotage it, and it kind of works a little bit. But um, he ends up being confronted by Swan, who's like, "Hey, how about we stop working against each other? Let's make a deal. Um, you write me some music to open up the club with, and I'll get you." the perfect singer and um, face of the music and they'll perform whatever way you want. So he's like, cool. Um, and so he has auditions and he sees Phoenix again, the girl he met earlier. And he's like, cool, I'm going to write you your music, but Phoenix is the only one that can sing it. And Swan's like, great, but Swan's a bad guy. So he doesn't do that. <laughs> um, so uh, a lot of stuff happens in between then, but he, um, <laughs> He, uh, Swan, I mean, Winslow, now the Phantom of the Paradise, figures out that Swan has betrayed him. And so he sabotages, like, the big opening night um, event that Swan set up with his music and this this other guy that he's got to sing the music. So um, Winslow kills that guy. And so Phoenix gets to sing and everyone loves her. And Swan's like, cool, I'm going to make you a star. And Winslow tries to warn her and she doesn't recognize him anymore um so she's not into it so anyway um in the end uh uh Winslow figures out that Swan kind of has this like deal with the devil to um live or to be young and live forever um so he like destroys the one element that kind of keeps that going and he kills Swan um also, which also ends his life because at some point in time he tried to kill himself and it didn't quite work and then Phoenix finally recognizes him, and that's the end. <laughs> so, um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, so as far as expectations, I kind of expected it to be weirder than it was. Um, and to me, it was only weird in the sense that it was very 70s. <laughs> yes. Like, it felt very much like a product of its time, which I loved. I thought it was great. Um, so one thing I did before watching it, I didn't know that much about it. And I realized while I was, so I didn't look up anything beforehand. And one thing I realized before starting was that, um, 
I was confusing it with, uh, what was I confusing it with? Shoot. I was confusing it with Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> oh, which is something I have also never seen. So whole thing, actually. <laughs> yeah. So when, uh, when he, when he was, when he figures out what Swan is doing with his music and like he sees all the girls auditioning. I was like, oh, I know where this is going. He's going to dress up and be like a girl. And then he's going to like, uh, he's going to like have this drag persona that's going to be, uh, I don't know, like the face of the music. Um, and he's going to have to live a double life. And then I realized I was very wrong. That's not where the story <laughs> was going at all. And then I was confusing it with something completely different. I yeah. think that if I, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, we can talk about it in a sec. Oh, your but I was, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that I think that if I was more familiar with the Phantom of the Opera, which I've never seen, um, then I might have known where the story was going a little bit more. But I'm kind of happy that I didn't. Uh, I mean, I, I'm generally familiar with it because I've seen Phantom of the Megaplex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. um, but, <laughs> but yeah, so I kind of, I kind of liked that I didn't like completely know what to expect with the movie. Um, but yeah. It's delightful. Cool. Yeah. You said it's part fan of the opera. It's part Faust. So that's where the deal um, with the devil comes in. And also part Dorian Gray, which is um, the method that he has to stay young. He has to watch uh, footage of himself of when, uh, when Swan was young and he met the devil and made the contract. So he has to watch that every day. Which, like Dorian Gray, he had to look oh, at his portrait as his portrait aged. I totally yeah. missed that part of it. I oh. thought, I thought he just had to like keep the tape and never destroy it. But that's it's a little bit part of it. But he also had to watch it every day. Yeah, he has to watch oh. it to kind of. It, it's not as obvious in the movie because in the in Dorian Gray, the portrait ages um, at the rate that Dorian that part, should. But in the movie, yeah, the swan video because i mean it was the 70s so they're not gonna do like full makeup to make him look like a middle-aged man which is what he was at that time yeah um he doesn't look that much older in the contract which is kind of yeah strange so i don't know maybe it's just the act of having to watch it is more important in that case i see yeah i didn't know that about because i when i when the like deal with the devil part popped up um well, first of all, I, I will say it's not really, I guess it's not really a twist, but it was like one of my, I was like, oh, <laughs> I thought that was really fun. The like deal with the devil part, because I, in terms of like aspects of the story that it's borrowing from, Dorian Gray was the only one that, that I was like semi familiar with. Obviously, I didn't know that part about having to look at the <laughs> portrait every day, but have you ever seen A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? <laughs> oh, that's the one with Sean Connery and the guy from yeah. A Walk to Remember. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember he anyone played, but Sean Connery. Being he played like... Tom Sawyer <laughs> in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, because <laughs> I don't. In case you didn't I remember. know, <laughs> um, quick, quick aside: The League of Extraordinary uh-huh. Gentlemen, the comic book uses uh, characters that were still in copyright. So in the film, I guess they couldn't get the permission to use those characters that so they used some public domain characters to replace it, which is why Tom Sawyer was in it. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I just, I do remember Dorian Gray being a character in that movie, which is why I was the only reason why I was familiar with like the general concept of Dorian Gray and like having this portrait mm-hmm. and everything like that. So I really liked 
that part. And also because um, I knew that there was supposed to be something weird about Swan, um, besides the fact that he was, like, a little bit evil. Like, the part where they're having the press conference for... So, um, when when he, like, goes back on his word with Winslow and chooses this guy, Beef, to be the, the like, to open up the paradise instead of Phoenix, um, he has, like, a little press conference, and everyone's, all the reporters are trying to take pictures, and they say no pictures. I wasn't sure if, like, I didn't pay too much attention to it then, but I wonder, is was that part of, like, the deal with the devil? Like, if someone took his picture, would they see how old he really was? Part of that, no? I think, is actually more... Kind of to show the power that Swan has. Has. Oh, okay. Because uh, there is a point later <laughs> in the movie where, or it might be at that same part too, like why are those people allowed to record because they're the ones who are coming in with the cameras. Um, mm-hmm. They say that they have exclusive rights to Swan's image. So he... Right, he did say it's, that. It's kind of, I think, reminiscent to, I guess, kind of like, Beyonce is not Swan, but she really yeah. <laughs> controls her image almost to the T. Um, oh, right. So, and she does have like her own personal like videographer and photographer. Yeah. And, like, so I think it's more seems to keep more yeah. that kind of thing rather than part of the, the contract. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. The deal with the devil mm-hmm. for me. But um, yeah, I really liked that that part. That <laughs> was very enjoyable to me. Um, but wait, I think there was anything else in here. I forgot. Oh, um, and oh, something else I really enjoyed about the movie. He wasn't in it very much, but I loved Beef. <laughs> oh my God, Beef <laughs> is so great. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely my favorite character. I think um, the part where so in the so okay so when. Uh, Winslow figures out that Swan has gone back on his word and has found someone else to sing the music. Mm-hmm. He like escapes a little prison that Swan tries to put him in, and he <laughs> uh, he finds Beef, who's been told to take a shower to cool down because he's like freaking out because he heard Winslow like scream before, and he's like, "This place is haunted. I don't want to be here." And um, it, and Swan's lackey is like, "Hey, dude, calm down. Like, take a shower." And he's like, "You know what? You're right. <laughs> I'm gonna take a shower." <laughs> before i perform <laughs> so he's like taking a shower and winslow <laughs> does a little cook opens the shower <laughs> and puts a plunger over his <laughs> mouth <laughs> and i don't know for some reason that part really cracked it's like me. it's a very <laughs> iconic scene in this movie because i don't know how much you know about brian de palma the director but he's in this movie only a little he bit. does a lot of um visual homages to hitchcock movies um, so there's oh, yes. an earlier scene he does like the split screen thing, which, um, I believe it did, I can't remember in which movie, oh. um, prominently where like okay. you see different parts of the scene happening at the same time. Yeah, that was, that was and interesting. the plunger scene is an homage to Psycho when she's taking a shower and the knife comes through instead, yeah. but it's a plunger <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's a nice little, um, not a red herring. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm, I don't yeah, know. Because you think he, it, it, it plays as if Winslow's going to kill Beef, but it's just like, no, you're going to shut the fuck yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> and Phoenix is going to sing yeah, her music, yeah. and that'll be it. Yeah. Uh, and then I also thought he was 
Um, I love a character in a movie who is like a little hip to what's going on in the sense that he was like, well, he wasn't like, I'm going to stick around. He was like, I'm going to leave like this. I thought this place was haunted. This guy in a bird mask just attacked me in the shower with a plunger. Like, I'm going to get out of here. Um, unfortunately, he's made to stay. And that was a part that hurt my heart was that Beef had to die. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, he was just doing his job. <laughs> he tried to get out of there and he couldn't. Um, yeah. So, yes. It's not I, Beef's fault. I love it's Beef. Great. <laughs> no, it's not. He was the sacrificial <laughs> lamb in this whole situation. Yeah. I, like, I like the so Beef um, gets electrocuted with uh, a set piece during his performance, where he's kind of like mm-hmm. a Frankenstein character when he's um, singing this song. And I like the visual of that scene. And I remember reading that all they did was just like swap the frames so that they would go the wrong way, and that's how they got that. Oh yeah, like, I did. Oh, that's really cool. I did notice that yeah. it was kind of like, yeah, that's cool. Um, I meant to look. I meant to look up more tidbits, um, but then I forgot. But one that I did see, one piece of trivia I saw was that. Oh, I didn't write down the actor's name, but the actor who played Winslow, in the part where he Bill was, Finley. Um, so in the so so this yeah Bin, Bill Finley, Finley. R.I.P. Right. Oh, I know. Yeah. I saw that. That's sad. Um, but the part where he, the part where he gets disfigured in the movie, he gets disfigured, but his face gets crushed Mm -hmm. in a record press. Um, so apparently, at least according to this one piece of trivia I found when he was, when they were recording that or when they were shooting that part, um, they actually had the press moving and they're like, it's cool. It'll be fine. Like it'll stop before it actually like gets to your face. And then uh, it almost didn't, but he got yeah, out. Yeah, I in guess time. they had some sort of um, um, like a wedge or a winch or something to to stop the machine, but it loosened or wasn't tight enough, so it like oh, popped it out. Like, yeah. So, but I don't think he yeah. knew while they were filming it that it did, so he wasn't aware until afterwards. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> By the way, sorry. Oh. I believe that's that's how that worked. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. it was. Oh, okay. But I was like, that's freaky. Oh, and another thing, this is really random. But so in my effort to not like look up anything about the movie beforehand, I I was like trying to remember because De Palma sounded familiar to me. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he he's the one that directed Carrie, but I can't remember. Um, so I didn't look it up because I was like, I'm just going to watch the movie. So I was I watched the end credits through and I was looking at everyone and I saw for a set what the set dresser was yep. Sissy Spacing. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, did I say your name right? Yeah. And I was like, what? That's random. Um, but yeah, but that's probably, I would assume, the es- part of the establishing relationship for her being mm-hmm. a Carrie at some point. Um, yeah. But I was like, that's, yeah. that's really I'm random. Of, I know so much <laughs> trivia about this movie. And I'm doing my darndest <laughs> to not just spill it out all over the place right now. <laughs> but yes, that is true. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. My favorite thing, obviously, I love this movie. It's, it's strangely, it didn't do well, not strangely, but it didn't do well in the U.S. Um, compared to some other places. I don't know if this came up when you were looking it up, but Winnipeg, Canada, it did really well. Um, oh, yes, I did see that. I thought yeah. that that was so random. Paris, it did really well. <laughs> and not as well known, and it doesn't come up a lot in trivia, um, El Salvador, the country. 
Uh, (laughs) Because that's how I know about this movie, because so many people in my family love it. I was going to ask you. um, Yeah. It came out when my mom was 15 or something. And they all watched it. They love the soundtrack Mm -hmm. so much. And I do, too. I think, I mean, all the music is by Paul Williams. So obviously Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Or anyone who knows Paul Williams is a prolific songwriter and wrote things like a bunch of songs for the Carpenters and Rainbow Connection from, you know, Kermit fame. <laughs> Which I found out um, when researching more recently. <laughs> and he played Swan. Yes, he was also Swan. Um, more recently, mm-hmm. he was also in Baby Driver and Princess Diaries 2, which was a happy surprise when I watched that movie. Um, he looks so, uh, not to interrupt, but he looks so familiar to me, but when I looked up his filmography, I haven't seen him in anything. I don't know if he just looks like someone else. But anyway, um, continue. So everyone in your family loves music? Uh, yeah, a lot of people <clears throat> in my family love it. And it's this thing where like before shopping on the internet was as big everywhere, my uncle in El Salvador asked my mom to buy it for him and then mail it to him. It, it's mm-hmm. I don't know why it really touched the Salvadoran people. Like, yeah. my mom used to work in a kitchen where there was a lot of other Salvadoran folks there, and they would, like, talk about this movie and the music, and someone had it recorded on cassette somehow, and they would listen to it in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. That's a BuzzFeed essay waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, not as well known that it did well there, but it is, it was pretty well-loved. By El Salvador in the 70s as well. I love that. I love when when movies just do well in like very specific markets. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting to think about why. Like, what about the people of Winnipeg that this movie just spoke yeah. to them? Actually, when we were in high school um, in Winnipeg, they held two conventions, I guess, for Phantom of the Paradise. And I heard mm-hmm. about the first one, and I was like, oh, I wish I could have gone. And I heard about the second one, but I didn't have the guts to ask my mom if we could go to Winnipeg. <laughs> and I really wish I had, because they only did Phantom Palooza twice, and they had Aww. all the um, actors and performers came back, and they performed the songs, oh, cool. and it was just like, we love this movie, come celebrate it with us. Um, I met... Paul Williams once a couple years ago because oh, he came cool. to talk at oh, nice. um, he was receiving some awards somewhere and I went to watch and he did like he likes meeting people and I was like oh I, I really love Phantom of the Paradise and I have a tattoo so I showed him my tattoo and he was like really excited and he was like it, it was it really touched my heart because he is very proud Aww. of it <laughs> and I'll talk a little bit more and then I want to hear more about what you thought because yeah, I, I don't know. But the last thing I have yeah. is I didn't realize how influential this movie actually was until, I don't know, a few years ago, actually. Because okay. Daft Punk, those two dudes, apparently met at a screening of this movie and then watched oh, it really? together a lot. So mm-hmm. um, I guess like their look was kind of influenced by phantom with like the helmet and all black oh okay yeah and um their last record they also brought paul williams in to work with him on it because they're like we're a fan and we would love to work with you and he's like yeah totally and yeah i know guillermo del toro also really loves this movie 
and when he directed um, one of the Treehouse of Horror intros a couple years ago for The Simpsons, it was this, like, just a combination of a bunch of horror movie characters and tropes, and he actually put the Phantom in there, and I was like, this is great. Oh, cool. (laughs) So it, it seems to be either picking up steam or it's just being talked about a little more about its influence on things yeah. which is kind of cool and i looked up the yeah. rotten tomatoes and it's at 91 and i'm like that has to be more right. recent reviews from legitimate people being <laughs> considered because probably <laughs> I, if i remember from looking it up before the reviews at the time were kind of middling like some like yeah it's pretty great and does touch on the note of celebrity and blah 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 <clears throat> mm-hmm. while others are like this thing's a mess so i I will stop because i could talk about just this movie for an entire (laughs) podcast series probably (laughs) i love it so much Um, (laughs) i guess my last thing is i just wanted to talk about my favorite part um since it's like i guess would you call it a musical i guess it's kind of a musical or a musical movie i guess technically a rock opera right i have seen that phrase uh, so I like, I did, I liked the music. I thought it was good. Um, and I especially liked, well, my favorite part was Phoenix audition scene. So it's the, the scene where Winslow sees her again and decides he wants her to sing the music. And she sings the song that I've decided is my favorite song off this soundtrack. Uh, I've already forgot what it's called, but I'm going to say it when I look at it right here. It's called special to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I really liked it. And that lady is so adorable. <laughs> She's just like so cute. And I just like wanted to pinch her cheek because she has like such a baby face. I'm sure she was pretty young at the time. But even actually I saw a picture of her, like a more recent picture of her. And she looks pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Just like adorable and a little older. But I loved it. I thought I love her voice. It's like kind of deep and and luscious and uh and her little dance moves that she does at the end of the scene also iconic (laughs) (laughs) the phoenix dance at the end but (laughs) but yeah that was my favorite part of that was my favorite musical part of the movie my favorite part of the movie definitely was the blunder scene (laughs) because it just made me laugh so much um but yeah i i overall i enjoyed the movie it wasn't what i expected it to Mm -hmm. be but that's not a bad thing i thought it was i thought it was going to be one of those movies where it's just like so kooky and weird that you're like oh i understand why people like maybe didn't enjoy this when it first Mm -hmm. came out but it felt more not like conventional it wasn't it definitely wasn't like by the books or anything like that it had its own brand of weirdness to it but it wasn't the weirdness that i was expecting to see but yeah i would definitely watch it again i don't know why it took me almost i don't know how long we know each other 15 years? <laughs> Almost 15 <laughs> years to have you watched it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but it was, it was good. It was oh. a good recommendation. <laughs> this will be my last contribution, I think. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I will limit myself to this <laughs> because otherwise this will go on, as I said. But <laughs> several years ago, I remember going on IMDb to look up something about Phantom. And in the search results, mm-hmm. there was a new result of apparently a remake that was in the works. And I believe oh. we, we were still in high school, so I was appalled that this was even going to happen. <laughs> Why would anyone ever want to touch such a 
perfect thing that exists. <laughs> um, I think it was that, it was due to come out in like 2009 or 2010 or something, and it came and went. Of, mm-hmm. I guess it was just like something that might have happened and then never did, and just got removed off IMDb. But yeah. when we decided to do this episode, and I suggested Phantom, I was kind of thinking about how. Now, I wouldn't be as against it, because I still think the general idea is relevant, Um, uh, at least the parts about celebrity and Mm -hmm. getting addicted to it, which happens to Phoenix in this. Yeah. Um, She kind of starts with this pure character, and then when she gets that taste of being loved by the crowd, she like falls Mm -hmm. headfirst into it and just embraces it and needs more. And even things like how Beef's death is considered part of the show, even though it's a real person. Oh, yeah, everyone's like, yeah, it's just kind of the way that even just mixing real life with entertainment is even more prevalent now than it was then that I think it could really work. Yeah, where the lines are super blurred. Yeah, yeah, it's like social media and stuff makes it hard to tell, like what you've crafted and what's actually real life. Yeah. And so I started recasting it to see what I would be happy with. Let's hear this. Um, All right. So part of the credit to this goes to my partner as well, because there are a few bits where, especially I was having a hard time picking who would be Winslow slash the Phantom, and he gets all credit for that when it comes up. But um, we'll start with the band. I like okay. the idea of someone like um, Jungle or the Growlers, or I think would both fit really well. I don't know if you're familiar with okay. either of them. No, I'm not. I think I've only seen one Jungle music video, and it was enjoyable, but yeah. Yeah, Jungle has like that kind of funky thing going, and I think the Growlers mm-hmm. are also have a bit of a throwback, but still modern kind of feel to them, and they're okay. kind of delightful weirdos. I think they would also work. Mm-hmm. Um, for beef, we thought some sort of riffraff or post Malone kind of character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Okay, I like that. Um, for Phoenix, uh, I like someone like Solange. I think would be really cool as Phoenix. Oh this yeah. Um, for the Phantom and Winslow. Janelle Monet. Oh. she would be so good, I think. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she would be good. She would have fun with that part. Mm-hmm. And Swan yeah. would be Pharrell, because he's forever young. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much, yes. <laughs> yeah. And the last piece would be the director Let's... would be Jordan Peele. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Jordan Peele would do a great job with it. Yeah, I want. I kind of want this movie to exist now, and I'm a little sad. No, it's I never want gonna it to exist now too. Let's tweet at Janelle Monae. Yeah, Janelle Monae, please be the Phantom of the Paradise, so I may die happy. <laughs> <laughs> Slash die of shock. Oh. Ooh, so. I like that. That's great. That's, That's great dream casting. Yeah. Fifteen, even ten years ago, I wouldn't even have considered speaking <laughs> such blasphemy, but. <laughs> I think you're just waiting for the right people to come into your life (laughs) and show you a different, a different new kind of way to do Phantom. Yeah. 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 Should we do the next one? Yes. Yes.
Let's do the next one. Okay, so my thing for this episode was the kissing booth, which is one of the (laughs) many, many movies that Netflix released in 2018. And I'm actually surprised that Netflix never recommended it to me because I do watch a lot of teen stuff. And this is definitely Mm -hmm. a teen romantic comedy. Oh, yes. It's the most teen romantic (laughs) comedy. Um, (laughs) So I was, well, I guess I'll do the summary and then I'll ask my question for you. Okay. The overall plot of this movie is that we have these two best friends, a guy and a girl, um, Elle and Lee. And they have been best friends essentially since birth because their moms were best friends. And they have these rules about how to stay best friends forever. And one of them is that relatives are not allowed for dating. Was it off limits? That's mm-hmm. the word they use. And yeah. of course, because it's a movie, um, <laughs> Elle has a crush on Lee's older brother, but she pretends she doesn't. And um, the movie just is kind of her coming to terms with actually liking him and pretending not to. And then they eventually start dating and they keep it a secret from Lee. And then when he finds out in like a terrible way of getting caught, (laughs) uh, it's uh, teens are dumb. Sorry. They're so (laughs) so dumb. Um, Lee and Elle have a huge fight and then it's just kind of throws everything into the wind and she doesn't know what to do. And, and a few things works out in the end, but um, and I guess the kissing booth thing is just this one part of the whole you movie know, where Elle and Lee have to set up some sort of game for a charity carnival, which sounds like the most mm-hmm. wholesome 1950s thing in the world. <laughs> and so they set up a kissing booth with with blindfolds, so the person being kissed can't see who's kissing them, which seemed extra yeah, weird. Yeah, that seems... Yeah, <laughs> and that's when the older brother kisses Elle and that's when they're like oh man you're more than my little brother sister or little brother's friend <laughs> this is not an incest movie so it's pretty like typical teen fair and I'm just wondering like of all the teen things that you've seen that I have not seen why this one in particular that you recommended um cause I don't know what you thought of it but I thought it was really bad (laughs) 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 and you probably know this about me by now but I love bad movies I mean I like good movies but I do love a movie that makes me roll my eyes yeah um and this one just made me roll my eyes a lot I was like what's What's the plot? I mean, there was a plot, but it was, there's barely one. And it was just, it was so quintessential, like, and this is not shitting on fanfics at all, mm-hmm. but it was, it just read like a girl in her room writing a fanfic about her and her best friend's hot older brother. Yes. That he like secretly wants her and has been like protecting her from ever getting asked out or kissed because he just like wants her so badly and then eventually he can't help himself anymore he's like we have to have this secret relationship just I don't okay know. it just like it hit me and yeah i am glad this is the reason <laughs> okay <laughs> i had a similar reaction where i enjoyed watching it 
Um, don't get me wrong. I did uh-huh. enjoy the experience of watching it, and most of it was just kind mm-hmm. of laughing at what was happening and how. Yes. Um, and just like it falls into all the teen movie tropes that like I have. Uh, she's got a dead mom, uh, so we're mm-hmm. starting off strong there. Uh, yep. The, these kids live in huge houses. Oh my god, what do Lee's parents I do? I don't know. Not everyone in LA lives in these houses. Who are these people? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That house was ginormous. And they didn't really show us that much about what her house looked like, but his house was on a whole nother level. Oh yeah, level. his... Like, I think her house was pretty big, but his was ridiculous. Yeah, even her house would be super expensive. But, like... Yeah, for I, sure. The... Her... The, boyfriend slash her friend's house is it reminded me of the houses they use in movies like where a really rich porn producer lives there <laughs> yes like, that's what it looked like to me <laughs> yes it's a fitting description <laughs> um <laughs> look at the rest of these notes here but yeah and it just falls into like all the things like when are boys in skirts gonna not be presented as just funny? Like that was just dumb. Yeah. And yeah. the popular people do these kind of people do they actually exist? We watch all these teen I things. Don't think they do. We went to high school. We weren't popular. Mm-mm. So, like I don't know. Like <laughs> we didn't see these kind of people, think- <laughs> did we? No, I think that teen, I don't know where it comes from, because there there are people that you would consider popular, but they're, they're like various <laughs> factions of them. There's like the like really academic kids who are like all in student government and mm-hmm. stuff. And then like they do have, there are cheerleaders, but they're not like, I mean, they didn't do this to me. They're like pushing down the unpopular girls and like walking in packs of three down the hallway yeah. uh, only eating a banana I, and a bottle of water for lunch every day or yeah which is what happened in this movie I, for some reason <laughs> but i also want to talk about how i did not understand why she was attracted to the older brother because one he fought a lot like, he punched I know, so he had... many people. He had such an anger issue. It was terrifying. Yeah. I kind of wanted them to, I guess it was supposed to be like a, it was supposed to be presented in like, he cares so much about her. He's willing to punch anyone for her. But it was, it was pretty, like, he was, always got really scary when it happened that it almost seemed like it needed to be another story where he goes to like anger management yeah, classes to deal with his issues. Exactly. There's a point at the beginning where, like, some like fashion malfunction reasoning. She has to wear like this little itty bitty skirt and some asshole slaps her on the ass and her friend tries to like fight the guy for her. It doesn't work. So the older brother comes in and punches the guy instead, but he punched them a lot. Like they're on the ground and it's just like beating. It's not good. It was actually scary. Mm -mm. He does it again. Yeah. Later at some party. I think. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it's this is like when they're about to get together. He like goes after her because she left the party, and he's yelling after her. And then he like hits his car, and he's like, "Oh yeah, just come back was... here." And I'm like, "Do not go back to him. This is not good." No. And there's a point where, when the secret comes out, um, 
because essentially their secret relationship happens after this. And she's like, we can't tell Lee because I need to tell him um, myself so that he understands. So no one else can know because I don't want him to hear it from anyone else. And they're just like fucking all the time. They're fucking everywhere. They're fucking in his room. They're fucking in her room. They're fucking in the (laughs) chemistry lab, which has a camera. And then she intentionally gets detention so she can steal the dvd copy of the security footage from that day which is just hanging out in the open in the principal's office like there's i appreciated how sex positive this movie was because it was like she wants to fuck and she is fucking and she's being safe about it and she's getting what she wants and i was like good for you yeah she bought condoms i was proud of her i was proud of them for having yeah she bought condoms um when they're about to fuck in her room and lee comes over He's like, I heard moaning. And she's like, oh, I was watching porn. I was like, yay. Just own up to that shit. (laughs) Which, actually, that was one of my favorite scenes. And he's like, oh, can I watch too? And she's like, no. He's like, yeah, that'd be weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so when the secret comes out, it's because Lee walks in on his brother Noah and Elle talking together in Noah's room, which something happened in like the garage so she got like cut in her face and he was Noah was cleaning it up and when Lee sees her he immediately asks Noah did you do this to her like his first reaction is did you hurt my friend and that's not just a random thing that your brother would think that is because you have a history of being violent and we saw that in this movie like it was not good and then he Uh-oh. it's presented as this redemption arc though because when they have an altercation in the lawn when it all comes out where Lee unfortunately like gets mad at Al and essentially like slut shames her for fucking his brother. Yep. Um like Noah tackles him to the ground and you think he's about to punch Lee in the face, but mm-hmm. he doesn't. And it's presented as this, like, oh, he's changed for L kind of moment. He's just waiting for Lee to calm down. I'm like, no, this should not have been a that's, thing yeah. in the first place. That's not how you get someone, yeah. And that's also not how you get someone to calm down by, like, tackling them to the ground and pinning yeah. them down and then being like, be calm. So it was just, oh, it, yeah, it was very disturbing that this was the person that she was interested in. Yeah. And it's an unfortunate trope of these. it's an unfortunate trip of these teen stories that it's always this strangely abusive or be it physically or emotionally abusive presented as a oh he cares kind of thing like it happens all the time obviously the biggest example recently has been like twilight because edward is utter garbage but yeah he's like the love of her life or whatever and yeah so that that i did not like at all it's like machoism on on steroids, the like idea that your man has to protect you and he'll punch whoever gets in his yeah. way or in your way. Whoever wants to hurt you, he's gonna bring them down. It's yeah. It's, it's not cute. It's not cute at all. I did not like that. But and I also felt uncomfortable because Noah definitely looked like twenty one. <laughs> and she definitely looked about fifteen or sixteen. I'm like, this is very uncomfortable yeah. and it didn't uh, help that he was like even besides the way his face looked that he just was so much bigger than she yes. was, I... <laughs> he was so tall he was like a whole foot and a half taller than she was yeah 
It was crazy. So I didn't like that. But there were individual parts of it that I did enjoy Ooh. as a whole. Or individual okay. parts as a whole. That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but parts of it, like, like I said, the, I thought the porn scene was funny. There's mm-hmm. another part where she's hiding and under his, under Noah's bed and she finds his porn and petroleum jelly. And I'm like, it's 2019. You can buy lube. And I was actually kind of intrigued by the fact that he had paper porn. It's very retro. The whole thing is very retro. It like, is very the retro. The magazine, <laughs> the jelly. Maybe that's what he's, that's, that's what he's into. Yeah, maybe. Uh, what else did I have here? Oh, this is a question for you as someone who lives out in L.A. Yes. What are the chances that these children would be going to Santa Monica all the time on a regular basis to hang out? Okay, this is one of my, this is not exactly answering your question, but one of my favorite things about this. So did you look it up? Did you see that they shot it in South Africa? No, I didn't actually. Okay, so maybe now thinking, (laughs) so maybe now thinking back on it, they are so obsessed with placing this movie in LA that it was over the top. Like the, like them, like having their first little sexy sex session at the Hollywood sign. Oh, yeah, that's right. The multiple shots of <laughs> like every single establishing shot was so like, this is in LA. This is in LA. Look at this LA landmark. Uh-huh. And like, <laughs> unless they, okay. So the way they <clears throat> position his house is they have, um, their big ass fancy house is somewhere in the Hollywood Hills where you can see, because they can see the sign from their house, which means they must be stupid rich if they are living mm-hmm. in the hills and have a view of the Hollywood sign. I think you have to be pretty well off to live up there. <laughs> um, the chances of them doing that, um, I mean, he has a motorcycle, so he can at least get through L.A. traffic. <laughs> but honestly, they would probably be hanging out at, like, Hollywood and Highland or something. I don't think they would be going all the way to Santa Monica. Yeah, like, Santa Monica isn't the only place that has a DDR ripoff. You could, yeah. you could definitely oh, find yeah, that somewhere else. Oh, yeah, I forgot they go there to play DDR. Yeah, I don't know how they're getting over there before he could drive what his parents well, are driving They actually do to Santa Monica. They do acknowledge that in her little narration intro thing because mm-hmm. apparently they take the bus. Oh, yeah. Because they're, like, looking at a map and, like, we figured out how to get there without our parents, essentially. And, like, that's far is yeah, it? it's very far. I would I've never been on the bus in LA to be honest, but I feel like you probably have to switch a lot to get from all the yeah. way in Hollywood to Santa Monica. I mean, I live in a place that's relatively okay with public transportation to get to a major city and it still takes me at least an hour to get there. Yeah. So, it would take like, them a long time. And then yeah. like two 10-year-olds on a bus by themselves in this day and see. age, that would be a problem. Yeah. I don't see that happening. Um, but yeah, it cracked me up how much they're like, this is in Los Angeles! Yeah. I did think that they did at least make some improvements on the teen thing. Like, I like that it was a platonic, like, boy-girl friendship situation. Um, yeah. I was worried at the beginning that they would do this, the same thing they always do where... You know, it turns out Lee was in love with Elle the whole time. Yeah. That's why he's mad. But in the end, they're still just friends, which is nice. They let Lee Mm -hmm. cry and not as a joke, but just to show genuine emotion. I was like, that's good. Teach boys Mm -hmm. they can cry. It's okay to be sad. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe Lee should talk to his older brother. He should start crying instead of beating people. (laughs) Instead of beating people up. Um, 
And I liked at the end where Elle was actually pretty realistic about the whole thing because yeah, it turns out that too. that um Noah gets into Harvard, I'm assuming on a football scholarship because they keep talking about how he's a football player and Harvard cares Which about is football. funny because I don't think, does Harvard care about football? <laughs> I think they care mostly for the Harvard-Yale game. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But, okay. Yeah. That's still like a big tradition. Uh, um, I don't know how well they do in like the big things that other people care about for college football yeah (laughs) um so he leaves for they say boston he's going to cambridge because it's harvard but whatever (laughs) (laughs) that he's leaving for boston and so for some reason Elle's the only one in the airport with him when he's leaving and she has this narration oh yeah (laughs) where she told him not to turn around and wave goodbye because that's too cheesy even for her and so he doesn't but when that happens she's like talking about like you know i hope things work out and i think they will and then he doesn't turn around to wave and she's like but maybe they won't which at first i thought i was like oh no she's gonna be sad about it but then it's like and that's okay i'm like yay yeah <laughs> like yeah some people date in high school and together forever i know some of those people it's great it's cute mm-hmm. but most of the time that doesn't work out so the fact yeah. that she's not like if he comes back and breaks up with her or she breaks up with him she's like you're all the way over there what am i gonna do with you i need yeah. to have sex <laughs> <laughs> i've got a taste for it now <laughs> um so i thought that was realistic and great and a good perspective to take at the end of the movie and then she yeah. drives off on his motorcycle. I'm like, you just ruined, you just ruined it. <laughs> There's no way her dad would let her keep that fucking motorcycle. No. Like, ugh. And so I'm presuming that he is going away to college, and he took everything he needed on a motorcycle to the airport with only his girlfriend. His family did not want to see him off to college, I and wonder, he took everything he needed. I wonder. I mean, guess you could say that he shipped everything ahead and just took like a couple bags to check or something because he hadn't gone through the family butler got on a plane ahead of him with all of his stuff to go yeah that family definitely has hired help there's no (laughs) way that they don't Uh, um yeah i appreciated how generally sex positive it was which is really cool for a movie like this yeah realistic and like the only time there was slut shaming it was like very clear that that person was not in the right yeah it was clear Lee that was what it. Lee said was awful, and he was saying it specifically to hurt her. Yeah. So. It was nice to see Molly um, Ringwald. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's been busy being, um... Being a mom. Being moms lately, yeah. Yeah. Being a mom. Um. Oh, actually, Molly Ringwald's character is, like, her surrogate mom after her mom dies. And when she has a talk with her later, she says something like, your mom and I were best friends for 20 years. And like, that's not that, that's not as long as I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Cause her oldest kid is 18. So they were best friends for two years and then she had a child. Yeah. Like I assumed it was going to be, they've been best friends since they were kids, but I guess they were just adult yeah. best friends. <laughs> they met at the country club. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They both married rich or something yeah. you're like oh you're normal let's hang out and be best friends forever yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's 
So this is just a random question because in this, when I watched it again, just to refresh my memory, two things. First of all, do we, so in, in the kissing booth scene, um, there, so the whole, the big lead up to the kissing booth is she promised the like three popular girls that they were going to get, uh, oh, right. I forgot that was Lee's even, like, older brother. Thing. Yeah. It was, it's such a minor part of the movie that it's like, why is this movie called Kissing Booth? Anyway, yeah. but so they want Lee's older brother to be in the kissing booth so they can kiss him and he refuses multiple times. So Lee's like, oh, I'll do it. And then everyone's like, I don't want to kiss him. And then this other random girl comes up and kisses him. And then they're like dating from that point. But I was like, have we seen her before that? Or was she, was that literally the first time we saw her? I think that was literally the first time we saw her. Okay, because I thought that was so random. Yeah, I also thought it was strange that no one wanted to kiss Lee because he suffers from the typical, he's the younger dorky brother, but he's also very attractive. Yeah, he's a cute kid. I don't know why they'd be like, gross! Yeah, ew, you like DDR. Because that's the weirdest (laughs) thing about him, too. He's like a little awkward, but not even super awkward, and neither is she. No, no. She She just falls down a lot in typical teen girl fashion. typical... Pretty girl is clumsy, and that's why she doesn't date anyone. Though I guess she like recently blossomed or something, which is oh yeah that that was one part I did not like about the movie is I found the obsession on her her body kind of creepy, and I meant yeah. to look up if, if it was a man or a woman who directed it because I just I believe it was a it man was like, okay, named Vincent something. It, oh okay, it just felt I don't know if did it strike you as creepy? I don't know. Oh yeah, she we saw <laughs> okay. her in her bra a lot. Yeah, so much. And I was like, she's supposed to be a teen girl, and you're showing her half-naked so much. Yeah, that reminds me. uh, I forgot I had this written all the way at the bottom, which is why I missed it. When they go to prom, they have all these giant pictures of things that happened in the year, and one of the pictures is of her in her bra when she's, like, going against what Noah wants in the boys' locker room. Like, Oh, yeah, because that yearbook guy was taking pictures in there. Yeah, that guy was a creep. (laughs) Um, But what fucking administrative personnel does this school have that they're like show us the pictures you want us blown up for the prom and they're like oh this picture of a girl in her underwear surrounded by a bunch of horny teenage boys yeah let's blow that up and put it at the prom yeah perfect <laughs> so bizarre and everyone was like, "Aw, oh, that what picture! A, what a good moment when she was having a fight with that guy." <laughs> a sweet memory. Okay, so the second thing that was, why does her dad hate him? He like never. There was never any like. She. He was just like, "I hope you're not hanging out with that Noah kid." And I was like, "Don't you know this family? I mean, I he sucks, but <laughs> does he know about <laughs> does he know about his history, or does he just like not like him because he's?" It just seemed weird because he's like a part of this family that they're close to, and mm-hmm. I don't know if he knows about his anger problems. I just assumed it, that it, I don't know. he knew what kind of kid he was, and I guess Noah had a reputation of just hitting it and quitting it, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> so he just didn't want his daughter to be another conquest or something. And he's also okay. older and looks like an adult, so any dad is going to be like, mm-hmm. why do you want my young-looking daughter? <laughs> yeah. That's fair, that's fair. Good point. Yeah, but she was yeah, yeah. she was half-naked for a lot of this movie, which was Yeah, and it was never strange. like casually, oh, I'm in my bikini, or I just happened to be like lounging this way. 
it always felt kind of like creepy and like male gazy. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> Overall, I had fun watching it, but it wasn't yeah a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was fun to laugh at it. Yeah, um, it's funny because when we were trying to figure out what movies to give each other, a lot of the movies that I really like, you've already seen, <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then the one that I could like think of, I already did make you watch. <laughs> so I was it was. It was tough for me, so the I was like, what other kind of movies do I like to watch? And I was like, oh, movies that are enjoyable because they're not necessarily the best <laughs> movies. So I do have a few of those that, was, that I don't think yeah. you've seen. Maybe I should have picked that instead, actually. Bad movies we still like or enjoy to watch. <laughs> I also could talk oh, a lot man. about the Sgt. Pepper's Hearts Love Band movie. That movie is... Oh, I've... Oh boy, that is a a trip and a half. <laughs> oh, is, uh, oh, we can save that for another episode. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. we can save this bad movies we like for later. All right, yay! We finally did the thing. Um, if you have any suggestions of things that we should watch or read or check out, um, hit us up. Email us at oh yeah that thing at gmail.com. We also have a website, pretty easy, oh yeah, that thing.com. Find our socials on there and keep up with what we're doing and when we're releasing new episodes and all that fun stuff. We'd like to thank Rolla for illustrating and designing our awesome logo. You can find her on Instagram at rol.a. We also want to thank Kate, who wrote the lyrics to and performed our theme song. You can find her at margosmokes.com. And on all the socials at Margot Smokes. So yeah, thanks for listening.